0: Uh, tonight we're going to be looking in Romans chapter 1, Romans chapter 1, and uh, uh, a couple of weeks, uh, last week actually we began this uh, as we looked at this passage, and it's revelation of the wrath of God. Tonight we're going to be looking at the righteousness of God, Romans 1, 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for therein. That's the gospel. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. In our series on Sunday night, we're looking at some of the things that the Bible says specifically are revealed. Now, we understand that all of the Bible is God's revelation to us, we understand. But when the Bible, God's revelation to us, draws attention to some things that are revealed, uh, then uh, that is something we're going to look at and we have been looking at. And uh, remember, Moses said long ago, Deuteronomy 29 and 29, the secret things belong to the Lord our God. But those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever that we may do all the words of this law." Uh, things that are revealed have always been kind of fascinating to us. I guess that's why in our day and time the tabloids seem to be doing fine while the newspapers are all struggling. Uh, all of God's word—that's because, of course, they—they—they've got a new revelation every time. Something it may not be true, and of course, in uh, these days, I tell you, it's so hard to know what is true and what's not true, and what we're hearing. And it's—it's it, it's just an unusual time in so many ways. And that's one of them. Uh, But God's word, aren't you glad tonight that God's word of revelation to us is true and reliable. That what God says is true is also trustworthy. And uh, in our text tonight, as we've seen, there are actually two revealed subjects. One is the righteousness of God is revealed and the wrath of God is revealed. We saw the wrath of God last Sunday night. And tonight, in a sense, we're going to be getting the good news. The the righteousness of God is also revealed in the gospel. Now, this requires us to look at what the gospel is. And as I thought about this and looked at this message this week, you know, I I thought to myself, I said, you know, I've been talking a whole lot about the gospel lately. I'll, I'll tell you right up front, it's hard to be a biblical preacher and not preach a lot about the gospel of Jesus Christ because the gospel is all over it I mean all over the New Testament it's all about the gospel and uh that's that's what we're doing so first Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 3 for I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures Second Timothy chapter 1 and verse 8, Be not thou, thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death, and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. <laughs> oh, I could preach a month just on 2 Timothy chapter 1 uh, verse 8 through 10. Those are incredible passages. Uh, but as we just read them and contemplate its truth, how that Jesus Christ has brought life and immortality. Not just life, folks, but eternal life, death-free life, immortal life to light. Uh, it's been revealed then through the gospel. How does he do it? Well, you see, Jesus died. I'll make this real simple for us tonight because the gospel's simple. Jesus died. They took him outside the ancient city of Jerusalem and nailed him to a cross. They'd beaten him, whipped him, scourged him. And they sat down, the Bible says, and watched him. And in the darkness, the cry was made, it is finished. Jesus died. His disciples begged for his body. Normally, they would have left it hanging there to rot. His disciples begged for the body because it was the Passover for some unknown reason. I'm sure to the Jews and to Pilate, he went along with their request. Normally, they wouldn't have. But Jesus had to be buried. That was part of the plan. Buried in a borrowed tomb. That's fitting. He was only going to need it for a little while. Just borrowed. And three days later, he came crashing out of that tomb. He died, was buried, rose again. What does that mean? That means that he brought life and immortality to light through the good news of the gospel. The word gospel is derived from the word in Greek that we get our word evangelize or evangelism from. It speaks of good news, of glad tidings, and the delivery or sharing of them. You know, we we love to tell news, good or bad. Have you heard? Have you heard? (laughs) It all depends on how we introduce it. Did you hear? Oh, that's probably going to be bad news. Oh, let me tell you, that's going to be good news. But we are kind of excited about the telling of both of them. Let's be honest. We like to tell the news. We like to know news and we like to share it. And good news is especially, especially fun to share. It's seldom left to languish in obscurity, untold and unreported. The gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. It is about who he is and what he has done and all the things that pertain to him. But specifically, as it relates to our salvation, our deliverance through his death, burial, and resurrection, that is the gospel. So as we look then at what the gospel is, and it is important for us to look at what the gospel does. It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek The gospel, that good news of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is the dynamic power of God that operates in salvation to everyone that believes in that truth. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. The power then is the gospel itself. When Jesus said, for example, to the man with the withered arm, stretch forth your hand, he was telling him to do the very thing that he could not do. His hand was withered, drawn up, he couldn't move it. But Jesus said, Stretch forth your hand. And with the power that that command came the power to do exactly what he told him to do. You see, the power was in the message. And the power that brings salvation is in the message. I'm not ashamed, Paul said, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. The often, often presented argument that dead people can't hear. And that dead people can't believe. And, and, you know, and this is a, a big, big issue in American religious circles today. Uh, Some have gone so far as to say that God has to regenerate a person. That is, save them before they can believe, if you can understand that. Uh, But you know, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Jesus said it best in John chapter 5 and verse 25. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming, and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. Oh, but the dead can't hear. Oh, yeah, (laughs) I know that. Remember, folk, the power is in the gospel. That good news of Jesus Christ is powerful. People hear it. The Holy Spirit uses it. They are compelled then, brought under conviction, And under that convicting power of the Spirit of God, they believe that message. They call upon the name of the Lord. And everyone who's ever done that in this building tonight can say amen to it because it happened to you. You heard it. You believed it. You received it. You called on the name of the Lord, and you were saved. God kept his word. God kept his word. There you were lost, lost in your sins, dead in your trespasses and sins. What saved you? The power of the gospel. The power of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believed. But the gospel is doing something else. Because according to our text tonight, the gospel is also revealing both the wrath of God against sin and the righteousness of God, which is by faith. For therein, in the gospel, is the righteousness of God revealed. In Isaiah chapter 56 and verse 1, uh, the prophet said, Thus saith the Lord, keep justice and do righteousness, for my salvation is about to come, and my righteousness to be revealed. Some have suggested that Paul had that passage in mind when he wrote chapter one, uh, Romans chapter one and verse 17. Uh, what Isaiah had promised, the righteousness of God was about to reveal, Paul was able to say, "The righteousness of God has been revealed. It has been. revealed in Jesus Christ. That word righteousness is found over 300 times in the Bible. If you counted some of the varied forms, that would over, uh, almost triple in number. Uh, righteousness is a big subject. We don't have the uh, uh, time. We won't take the time tonight to go over all of those references. Although we could, but we'd be here for a while. Uh, but I can tell you tonight that all we have to do really is look at what Paul says here in the book of Romans. Because he outlines it all for us very real, well. Romans chapter 3 and verse 21. But Now, the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe. For there is no difference. What a great passage. God's righteousness, first of all, comes unto all. And then it is upon all, them that believe. Unto all. Upon all them that believe, for there's no difference. And he'll go on to talk about how that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Verse 23, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood, to declare his righteousness. That's Jesus' righteousness. For the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. To declare, I say, at this time, his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. You see, man's sin presented an awful dilemma. The wages of sin is death. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Without mercy, the wages of sin. Is death. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. This is God's own law we're talking about here. God's own word. All the way back to the Garden of Eden, God told Adam, in the day that you eat of this fruit, you will surely die. You'll surely die. God's own law then had pronounced death. As the wages of sin. And then God's own law has found us all to be guilty of sin. So how could God declare us to be just and righteous? (laughs) When we are rotten, guilty sinners. How could God do that and still be just? How could God do that and still be righteous? well the answer to that dilemma is found here in this incredible passage god set forth jesus christ to be a propitiation through faith in his blood god you see was in christ reconciling the world unto himself we talked just this morning about how that jesus is the son of god and assumed that physical form and the bible tells us that he was made a little lower than the angels for a specific purpose for the suffering of death And as I told you this morning that it was God the Son who could be born of a woman. It was God the Son who could be born under the law. It was also God the Son who could die on that cross for our sins. He was set forth then to be the propitiation, the one who paid the price. And as he was done then, as this happened, his righteousness then could be declared, not ours, but his. Unto all. And then upon all, them that believe. The result, God could be both just and the justifier. God could be righteous and declare us righteous when we believe on Jesus Christ. In the practical way, this issue comes down to us like this: How can a person be right with God and live right before God? And the Old Testament economy would answer by saying that the a person is saved by faith, and then they keep the requirements of the law. And of course, none of them could do. And it wasn't the law's fault. Romans chapter 8 and verse 3 says, For what the law could not do, and that was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh that the righteousness requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. I bring this up to you tonight to remind you that this is what Paul is talking about when he talks about how that the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. The way to both be right now and to live right before God. To be right and to live right before God is by faith. There's actually three aspects to it that we can see very simply tonight, very quickly. First of all, it begins in faith. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Now, if we could read that in Greek, and we can't, and I'm not going to give you a Greek lesson because y'all don't read Greek very well, and I don't read it very well either. But we, if we all could, it would be real simple for us to understand that passage, and it's real simple even without it. But there is a question. Is, is, is faith in this passage the gift of God, or is it something else? Many believe that God gives us the faith, but if we could read it in its original language, it would be clear. For by grace are you saved. Through faith. Salvation is a gift. And that not of yourselves, that refers to salvation, not to faith. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that, that salvation, not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So we see this passage spelled out very plainly for us. For by grace are you saved through faith. By grace, through faith. Let me say that again. By grace, through faith. Who gives the grace? God does. Who believes? We do. Oh, I, every time I do that, somebody sends me a letter. Not every time, but occasionally. <laughs> somebody sends me a letter. Somebody's thinking, oh, preachers preaching salvation by works. Oh, no, I'm not. To him that worketh not, the Bible says, but believeth. Faith is the very opposite of works. Faith is not a work. Faith is the very opposite of works. For by grace are you saved through faith. What is that? That means we trust Jesus to do what we cannot do. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. That salvation is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So when the Bible tells us that the just shall live by faith and the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, it is telling us that our relationship with God, our whole salvation, our new life in Jesus Christ, our being born again, it all starts with believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. I need to ask you all tonight, have you believed on Jesus Christ? Have you trusted him? as your savior it begins in faith but then it continues in faith Romans 1:17 says the just shall live by faith and that speaks to us of what we're doing right now even now in the life that we now live Paul would later write in, in Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 a passage we looked at on Sunday morning a few weeks ago I am crucified with Christ nevertheless I live yet not I but Christ liveth in me And the life which I now live, the life which I now live, I live by faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We live by faith. What this means is that our salvation is by grace through faith. But then the life that we live right now is a life of faith. We continue to trust in the promises of Almighty God. We can as we counted on Jesus Christ to do for us what we could not do, so in our life we continue to count on Him to do what we can't do. Let me ask you folks a question tonight, and all you folks from at home, I ask you a quick question. Have you run up against anything, Lead, in your life that you couldn't fix? I tell you what, I had trouble with a 2002 Xterra fuel pump this weekend. I I finally had to give up and call in the heavy artillery, uh, a mechanic friend who came and helped me. Uh, it, It was pretty simple. When you can't fix a fuel pump, if you know somebody that can, hey, you call them in. You will run up against a lot of things in life that you can't fix. Things will happen and things will come upon you that you have no control over. And sometimes you might look high and low all over this world and not be able to find even anybody anywhere else who can fix what you need fixed. Aren't you glad we know the God that we can run to in faith? And know that no matter what happens, that we can trust him. We can trust him with our today, and we can trust him with our tomorrows every bit as much as we can trust him with our eternal future. So our relationship with God, everything about it, begins in faith. For by grace are you saved through faith, and it continues in faith. The just shall live by faith, and I live by faith in the Son of God. And it ends in faith. Hebrews eleven thirteen said, these all died in faith. These all died in faith. Second Corinthians chapter one verse eight, "For we would not, brethren have you ignorant of our trouble, which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. I thought I was going to die. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves. What that means is that Paul had resigned himself to it. OK? <laughs> I'm done. This is it. I'm going to die. But in that experience, he said, I learned something. We should not trust in ourselves, but in God, which raiseth the dead. Now, if you ask me tonight, Brother Rich, where there was a time when Paul thought he was dead and concluded he was dead, but then God raised him up. Well, I, I would think of that time when they beat him to death with rocks and drug him out outside the city and left him. His friends came to pick up the body and carry him off to bury him. And Paul jumped up and went back in the city and started preaching. And I would have loved to have heard that sermon. How about you? Bloody beat all up. I, how in the world did he go back in there? I don't know. Who delivered us from so great a death and doth deliver in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us? Uh, what do you do with a guy like that? Man, if you keep preaching this stuff, they're going to kill you. Oh, well. Oh, well. He delivered us from so great a death and doth deliver in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. As a people of God, I can tell you one thing for absolutely sure. I don't know how things are all going to work out, but I do know for us it's going to end well. Do you know that? I hope you do. It is going to end well. The God that has delivered us again and again and again will yet deliver us. He has promised it and his promise is true. So when we talk about how the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, that means it begins in faith, it continues in faith, we live by faith and one day it will end in faith, we'll die by faith. The righteousness of God that is revealed then has two sides. How to be right with God and how to live in a right manner before God. Both are answered in the truth of the gospel. The righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. For the just shall live by faith. Why is this so important? Well, if you keep reading in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 10, you're going to see an incredible statement made. Verse 1. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. My heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved religious leaders around the world over the last couple of years have told us that the Jews are actually saved. Romans 10:1 still says the same thing it's always said. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. How do we know that they were lost? Because they rejected Jesus Christ. They refuse to believe on him. And I want to make a declarative statement to you tonight. Nobody has ever been saved or ever will be saved who denies Jesus Christ and refuses to believe on him. That's not popular. It's not politically correct. But it is biblically true. No one has ever been saved while rejecting Jesus Christ. There is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. The sobering truth of this passage is presented to us when Paul goes on in verse 2 and says, For I bear them record, them who? Israel. I bear them record. I will give them this, that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. Their zeal for God played out day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year. Sabbaths, feasts, festivals, the reading of the law, the hearing of the law, the paying of tithes, the performance of religious service and religious ritual. They bound the truth of the royal law upon their foreheads and around their wrists, as the Bible told them. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and thy neighbor as thyself. And yet for all this, for all their zeal for God, Israel was lost. They were lost. Why? Why? Because they were ignorant of God's righteousness and were going instead about to establish their own righteousness. And therefore, they did not submit to the righteousness of God. It is possible to live a good life, to read the Bible, to know about the things of God, to go to church, to work and to serve to do everything that your religion or anybody else's religion might tell you to do and be lost, unsaved, headed to an eternal hell. I'm not the one who made that up. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel, 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 God's chosen people, Israel. What advantage hath the Jew? Paul would ask. Much in every way. Chiefly unto them were given the oracles of God. God gave them his spokesmen, his prophets. He delivered to them his word, his law, the prophets, the the psalms. They could sing about God. They could study about God. They could worship God, but they didn't know God. How important is it to know the righteousness of God? It is revealed. They didn't know it. This comes on the heel of another great passage, Romans 9 and 30. What shall we say then? That Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness of faith. What did he mean by that? Well, the Gentiles didn't have the law. Ten Commandments, what's that? What's that? Moses, who? <laughs> they they might have heard some vague idea. Oh, that's some Jew, that's Jewish stuff. Oh no, I'm not Jewish. They had no idea about what the law said and no interest in what the law said. They were not seeking anything about God's righteousness. They didn't know God. Gentiles were not pursuing righteousness, but they have attained a righteousness. Why? Because it is the righteousness of faith. They heard the message of Jesus Christ, and they believed it. The Jews heard the message of Jesus Christ and rejected it. Israel, pursuing the law of righteousness, has not attained to the law of righteousness. Why? Because they did not seek it by faith. But as it were, by the works of the law, for they stumbled at that stumbling stone, as it was written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and a rock of offense, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame they did not seek it by faith I would submit to you tonight that since God's righteousness stands revealed nothing is more dangerous than to be ignorant of God's righteousness and nothing is more futile than trying to establish our own righteousness I'm glad to be able to stand in a pulpit like this and preach the truth that we are justified by faith, that we are saved by grace through faith, that we live by faith, and that we will die in faith. I preach that knowing that all around the religious world and even the Christian world tonight, there are multitudes who are still going through the rituals all the things that they think they have to do because down deep in their heart of hearts, they believe that if their salvation is to be, it's up to me. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God not of works, lest any man should boast. It's a hard pill to swallow. To tell that man, that woman who've lived their whole life following the rules and living out the rituals, to tell them you're lost. It's a hard pill to swallow when you tell them you must turn from those things. And trust, not in your performance, but trust in the one who did it all and who paid it all for you. But that's what we must do. Otherwise, we'll be exactly where Israel was. We will be ignorant of God's righteousness But after tonight, we can't go away from here saying, well, I didn't know because now you know God's righteousness is revealed in the gospel and it is revealed from faith to faith. The just shall live by his faith. But you can be just like Israel, ignorant of God's righteousness, willfully ignorant because you will not submit to the righteousness of God, which is by faith. But oh, if you will, you hear the truth of the gospel. Inside your heart, there is something you can't explain. I can't describe it for you very well. I know what we call it. We call it being under conviction. Everybody describes it differently. For me, it was a feeling of brokenness and fear. Because I knew I was a sinner. And suddenly I knew that the wages of sin as death meant me and in that convicting power then of the Holy Spirit I heard the gospel and I believed on Jesus Christ and after all these years folk I still believe I still believe have you believed on Jesus Christ